0: The sense of I'm not alone with this, I think that was really powerful. You know, the fact that we'd gone to this effort to make this really sophisticated, meaty program that they recognised all these components of, really made them realise that you know they can't be alone.
1: Welcome back to the Women's Wellness Podcast by the Women's Wellness Research Collaborative, a podcast where we talk about women's health needs throughout every stage of life from young women through to midlife women, women's health after a cancer diagnosis, and women who are living with type 2 diabetes. On this podcast, you'll hear from some of the world's leading researchers in women's health. I'm Professor Deborah Anderson, the founder and director of the Women's Wellness Research Collaborative and Dean of the Faculty of Health at the University of Technology, Sydney in Australia. I've spent my career dedicated to helping women be the best they can be. Over the past six episodes, we've been exploring women's wellness during and after cancer treatment. Today on the podcast, we're kicking off on a new series of conversations about another chronic disease that affects many women here in Australia and across the globe, type 2 diabetes. To kick off this series of discussions, I'm joined by Professor Jackie Sturt from King's College, London. Jackie is a professor of behavioural medicine in nursing She is a general and mental health nurse and a behavioural scientist. Jackie works across several physical and mental health long-term conditions with diabetes, and diabetes distress being a particular focus. Her work involves the development and evaluation of interventions to support long-term self-management of chronic conditions like diabetes, Jackie has been a member of the Women's Wellness Research Collaborative for many years and been instrumental in the development of the Women's Wellness with Type 2 Diabetes Program. Welcome, Jackie, and thank you so much for joining me on the Women's Wellness Podcast today to kick off this series about diabetes.
0: Looking forward to talking.
1: Thanks, Jackie. Can you help us explore what Type 2 Diabetes is and sort of how many women is it affecting across the globe and particularly for you in the UK?
0: Diabetes is a is a, uh, a long-term condition that starts, really, is characterised by a deficiency in insulin. So that's, you know, there are two types of diabetes, type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes. And we're talking today about type 2 diabetes, which is the most, most prevalent, the most common of the two types of diabetes. So in the world, there's around 450 million people living with diabetes. 95% of those have type 2 diabetes, which is what we're talking about in this podcast. And and over half of those or around half of those will be women. So upwards of 200 million women living with type 2 diabetes. And in type 2, the reason for the lack of insulin is often because the cells in our body have become resistant to the insulin circulating. So insulin is necessary for glucose that we eat in our food, carbohydrate that we eat in our food to get into our cells. Our body needs this carbohydrate, this glucose to function. Our kidneys, our heart, our brain needs glucose. But in type 2 diabetes, there's a problem with the lock and the key to the cells. So the glucose is not getting from the circulating blood system into the cells that need it. And so it's there's too much blood glucose circulating in the blood. And that can cause significant problems for people. You know, if I think about women, specifically, you know, we've been doing quite a lot of work with younger women, what what we're now calling early onset type 2 diabetes. And these are women between the ages of 18 and 39. And there's around about 60 million women globally living with an, this type of early onset uh, type 2 diabetes.
1: So, Jackie, how do you catch diabetes type 2 if it's
0: so prevalent? There's genetic factors. I mean, you kind of don't catch it in a sense. You know, you um, it, it's one of these diseases, these conditions that creeps up on you very slowly. And there are genetic factors, you know, that, that we all live with. And sometimes the genes are switched on and sometimes they're not. Globally, we're living in this obesogenic environment, which is promoting sedentary behaviour, it's promoting high calorie intake, those lead to weight gain. And, you know, weight is probably one of those things that's turning, you know, switching on the genes in type 2 diabetes. So it's certainly linked to uh, some, you know, lifestyle issues.
1: Why do we need a program for women with type two diabetes if we've got so many women with this condition and also younger women?
0: Women have very particular, you know, your your research on women and midlife women and younger women generally, and and in particular conditions such as you know surviving cancer. You know, we both know how much. Women's experiences of living with health conditions differ from the experiences of men. Uh, women have this whole reproductive stage of life that starts, you know, any time around fourteen, and and lasts to any time around, you know, sixty, give or take. And the reproductive stages of our lifespan are are very much impacted on by living with diabetes. Not only are women having to manage this complex metabolic condition, you know, in much the same way that men are, but they're also having to manage their menstrual cycle and hormonal fluctuations and pregnancy and contraception. And at the other end of the reproductive lifespan, the sort of depletion of hormones and moving into menopause, and weight gain associated with menopause, uh, and sleep problems associated with menopause—all of these, which make it really difficult for for women to focus on their diabetes when there's all this other, you know, these other health concerns impacting on them. So really, we need so many women that are living with this condition during this you know this reproductive stage of their life they need you know special focus to help them to to really feel that they're in control and they've got some sense of management of this of these twin health experiences i guess
1: i know that uh, we've worked together across australia and the uk with uh, research with our women's wellness with type 2 diabetes program what prompted this research and the need from uh, your end in the uk you know, I've talked a little
0: bit about younger women just uh, in the last few moments, but actually, what what prompted it was the the needs of midlife women, and that's where it kind of started for us in the U- in the UK. I had been developing self management programs for you know men and women with type two diabetes, and these tended to focus on you know the, the age of diagnosis at the time when I started this work was more likely to be around the age of fifty five to sixty. You know, those were the people we were focusing on and an older, helping them to develop the skills and confidence they needed in order to manage this complex condition. But then, you know, I became interested in your work, Debbie, and learned more about the Women's Wellness Programme and you know, menopausal symptoms and ways of managing menopause and midlife and associated weight gain and you know, sedentary behaviors and and the, the two things, the two areas seem to come together quite nicely. So it, w- it just made a great sense to merge the work that you were doing around women being active and empowered and energized and informed and skilled going into their midlife phase with all this slightly more technical diabetes focus, um, health information and, and support that, that women were were asking for. So we developed the Women's Wellness with Type 2 Diabetes Program, which really nicely merged, Uh, because many of the the topics are overlapping, and it's just kind of shining a light onto these topics through a different lens.
1: That's right. And we uh, ran that program of research across both Australia and the UK at the same time to work with women. And that was great fun and so good to be able to do research across the globe together. Um, and I agree with you, Jackie, it was that coming together and sharing the different sorts of research we were doing, which has formed this Women's Wellness with Type 2 Diabetes Program. Um, what are some of the issues and challenges and aims of the program then when uh, you're looking at uh, running it through the UK or across the globe?
0: We're all living in quite constrained health economies these days. You know, it's it's very difficult for type 2 diabetes well, both types of diabetes, but you know they're enduring, high attention requiring, long term conditions, from you know from the perspective of the person that's living with it, and. People's access to healthcare is very minimal. You know, most people are going to be, you know, having 1% of, of their, well, less than 1% of their diabetes management is going to be provided from someone, you know, diabetes healthcare professional or any healthcare professional for that matter. Most of the, the job of managing the diabetes falls on the shoulders of the person living living with it. So those people, those women, they need support to develop, to, to have the knowledge, to you know, develop skills and and confidence in managing their diabetes and that was really the reason for for developing it and the challenges in the women's wellness program that we run in Australia and in the UK Debbie we provided quite a lot of nurse support to these women sort of diabetes specialists psychological specialist support for the women. Generally speaking in the, the health economies that we have around the world that level of Uh, of nurse support is just not affordable by by many healthcare providers. And so where one of the challenges is how do we deliver a programme for for women that they can easily access that will help them get the support that that they need and the information that they need without actually costing a lot of money. So at the moment where you know, doing a little bit. We've been doing a little bit of deconstructing of of the program that we developed to try and see which which aspects of it we could make more affordable for health economies. So, where we're taking away the the nurse support element of it and looking at how we nurture and create a peer support element to it, so that women can get the you can get their questions answered by other people like them. One of the big challenges for women living with type 2 diabetes, in fact anybody, but you know women particularly, is that type 2 diabetes is a very stigmatised condition because of its association with with weight and and obesity. The media, the population, you know, stigmatise it, which means that people don't reveal their diagnosis very easily. And this is even especially true for younger women living with type 2 diabetes and we know that if people don't talk about their own condition and their own health they become isolated they're shame they're shameful about it they don't share their diagnosis with anybody which means that they can't can't get any emotional support or even actual support you know sort of their questions answered so there's a big challenge in finding ways of creating a community Uh, of people of women that are managing you know their reproductive life their you know reproductive health across the lifespan and also with what is becoming a sort of more prevalent long-term condition in the early years you know there's lots of things around peer support around emotional distress about the diabetes about shame and stigma that are both at the individual level research concerns you know as researchers we we're going to have to think about how we deal with these at the individual person level and improve the healthcare experience for an, in, an individual woman. But we also have to do this at the public health level so that people stop feeling that society is stigmatising them because of their diabetes.
1: You raise a great point, um, Jackie, that, you know, people with diabetes, probably their their amount of support they get from the actual uh, medical professional or, or a health professional is very minimal compared to what their lifetime of having diabetes. And of course, diabetes doesn't just go away, does it? It's something that they live with, and that's what a chronic condition is—something they live with for the rest of their lives. So, working with them, you know, it's great ideas with regards to peer support, and also making it affordable so we can uh, put this across. The Economies is a really, really great idea. Can you tell us then about the Women's Wellness with Type 2 Diabetes program and how it works?
0: Well, it's it's um,
1: an online program. So
0: people, women can access it on their devices, on the computer, on their phones, via an ebook. And it's a it's a program, you know, it, it takes some um some commitment from women because there are, you know, there are a number of chapters, around eight chapters, that that focus on specific elements of living with type 2 diabetes, you know, between in this midlife phase, between you know 45 and 65 years of age. And you know, each chapter is looking at different health behaviors, so sleep and physical activity and nutrition and equipping women with with some knowledge around that but also motivation so that they can see they can choose some changes they'd like to make in their life that will enhance their health and make them feel that they've got some some agency in this situation in which they find themselves and it lasts about 12 weeks we expect women to to take about three months to work through this reflect you know there's there's a exercises quizzes we ask them to think about you know where they were last week where they were last month and where they are now and and derive some motivation and some you know confidence through that process and then there'll be a kind of online community of women that are going through the program together and they'll be you know they give each other some some support they answer it, you know answer questions and we're hoping really, you know, what we're expecting of this programme is that it will really help them emotionally and psychologically. And from that point, if, if they're feeling emotionally well, then they'll be able to make, they'll find the, the resources that they need to make these bigger behavioural changes, which require them to initiate things and sustain new behaviours. And these behaviours aren't, aren't easy. You know, it's um, these, these changes aren't easy. We all know that if we decide we want to you know start taking more exercise or or we want to start changing our diet it takes you know it takes a lot of a lot of effort and um, women with type 2 diabetes have quite a lot of what we call diabetes distress and that's a, an emotional distress specifically focused on arising from the burden of living with this long term condition you know having to go for all these screening appointments for eyes and feet and blood glucose having society, your family, monitoring, watching what you're eating, telling you should you be eating that, should you not be eating that, have you taken your medication, what's your blood glucose now, all these kind of difficulties that people have with type 2. If they're feeling you know, emotionally burdened by that, then they're really not, you know, going to be able to do these bigger changes. So one of the aims of the information and the, and the support that other women provide is to really, you know, to lower their diabetes distress, to make them feel that they're not alone. There are many other women just like them. And, and it's not only happening to them, And that in itself is really powerful, just to realise that you're not the only one feeling this way.
1: It's so true and such an important area to be able to support women, you know, going through who do have diabetes type 2, whatever their age. But I think that one of the things we did do with the original diabetes, women's wellness with diabetes type 2, was target that midlife age group too. So we could then, like you said before, work through those reproductive issues with them as well to help give them get that control over their lives what sort of behavioral changes are you hoping that they might be able to put into their life
0: well we know that women put on weight uh, associated with the menopause the fat redistributes around the body and body shape changes and you know women can find that uh, very difficult and it's very difficult with those body shape changes to then go out and and start saying, right, I'm going to go to the gym and put on some shorts and put on a leotard and take part in a, a spin group or something. So helping women to to manage their nutrition, to, you know, sort of think about what foods they might want to eat that will be helpful to them in addressing those, those changes, you know, reducing the waist circumference for example by changing diet changing what women are eating might help them to reduce the you know the central we call it central adiposity which is where fat can distribute around the the midriff around the waist and you know that from from a woman's point of view you know when things start to become tight it's it's not pleasant clothes start to become tight but actually from a cardiovascular point of view from a heart disease point of view it's problematic so we want women to take measures, you know, change what they're eating, maybe, you know, start to walk, start to increase their physical activity to address things like that so that they can uh, improve their metabolic health in general, as well as, you know, their self-esteem and their sense of success about the the behaviour changes that they're making. So what
1: sort of feedback have you had and you and the team had from the participants?
0: Well, they really, in the midlife programme, they really liked the support, the sense of I'm not alone. With this, I think that was really powerful. You know, the fact that we'd gone to this effort to make this really sophisticated, meaty, meaty program that was that they recognised all these components of, really made them realise that you know they can't be alone no research team is going to go to this effort for just one person, you know. So obviously there are many millions of women like them around the globe, and that was very comforting for them and made them feel like they were part of a community. You know, they they really liked the one-to-one nurse support. Of course, you know, we've talked about how that is kind of problematic in the, the health economies of the world in general. You know, diabetes is still rising. And so it's, it's even less likely that people are going to be to get that intensity of support so we have to find other ways of, of meeting women's needs to help them change to achieve that we've been doing some work in with younger women because there's we know quite a lot now you know through the work of, of debbie and, and you know in the diabetes community some other colleagues but we know very very little about younger women living with type 2 diabetes so these 18 to 39 year olds so, you know, what we're finding out from them is that their healthcare healthcare services are not designed to meet their needs. So they go to a diabetes appointment. They might be 34, they're going to a diabetes appointment. Nobody asks them about their pregnancy planning, about their pregnancy intentions, about their contraception. And that's really dangerous because the main medications that people with the, you know, the first line medication women that anybody gets prescribed for diabetes is harmful to a a baby in pregnancy, during pregnancy. So we need to get women off these medications. They need, you know, higher doses of, of, you know, much higher doses of folic acid prior to pregnancy and during pregnancy than a woman that doesn't have diabetes. But none of these things are being catered for in our health services at the moment, you know, in the UK and and I suspect around the globe due to this lack of research so we've had feedback around a lot of feedback around that that they want health services that speak to them and speak to their concerns and also help them to manage the stigma and the shame of being 34 and living with type 2 diabetes and contemplating a pregnancy so you know there's a lot of research to do still in this area Debbie and I think uh, we both know that (laughs)
1: you're absolutely right Um, So what's next for research for you around women with type 2 diabetes? Is it around and extending this uh, area of uh, younger women?
0: The number of strands. We're working on the the, the revised, you know, this, this new version of the type 2 diabetes, the women's wellness with type 2 diabetes program for midlife women to put in the peer community support and see if we can have the same sorts of outcomes with the peer support or, or rep- approach the kind of outcomes that we got with the when the nurse was giving the support the one to one nurse support so that's one aspect of the research we're doing we're doing a lot of work in that that area that i just mentioned around pre-pregnancy planning there's a team uh, Dr Rita Ford is leading up that project really trying to improve how younger women are accessing pre-pregnancy care when they have type 2 diabetes and we're doing we've been doing some qualitative interviewing work and now we're doing a survey of women you know not necessarily around pregnancy but just in, in that 18 to 39 year old life period to find out what their psychological burdens are. We know from our qualitative work that there's a lot of disordered eating you know, in women with type 2 diabetes, and it's really not had that spotlight shined on it. And we need interventions to support women with their eating behaviours um, and activities. These younger women are feeling very shameful about having diabetes. People, Women that are feeling sh- ashamed of having diabetes don't go to appointments. They don't feel that they're worthy of having health care, you know, good health outcomes. And that's that's really problematic for, for them and, you know, obviously for, for society. So lots of work in that area. So really where our work is spanning the lifespan of women with type 2 diabetes.
1: Well, look, that sounds fabulous, Jackie. And there just um, seems to be so much research to continue to do but the work that you're doing is just outstanding and of such an international quality. What's your take-home message for a woman who's listening to this who's got type 2 diabetes?
0: Just learn, learn a little bit more about your diabetes so that you can develop a vocabulary that you can use with your healthcare professional. Be confident in saying what your needs are. When you do have that The 60 minutes a year that you might spend with a healthcare professional if you're lucky use them for yourself you know just try and do some preparation so that you go in and and have some you know you have some of the agenda of that meeting so that you can say I want to know what my HbA1c is because I I know what those words mean now I want to say I'm feeling really I've got my emotional distress about my diabetes is really high. This is a problem for me. This is a problem. I want you to sort of help me with that and try and develop some confidence for changing the agenda to make the consultation meet your needs rather than the needs of the health service, which is too often the case.
1: Great advice, Jackie. Thank you so much. And thank you, Jackie, for being my guest on Women's Wellness today and for kicking off the discussion around women's wellness and diabetes. You've been listening to the Women's Wellness Podcast from the Women's Wellness Research Collaborative. You can find us at wellnessresearch.org.au.